0: But I received this from a friend of mine yesterday uh, named Eric Irwin. And he says, uh, he sends this note. He said, Hi Todd. And this is a picture of a Bible, by the way, that I'd given him. And he says, Hi Todd, I was cleaning some things out and uh, I, I found this today. This is the Bible you gave me over 25 years ago. It was the night before I became a Christian. Thanks for inviting me to that Petra concert. Petra was a, is a Christian rock band, was a Christian rock band. I think they retired, so they're old. They, they still rock, but, but they're old. Uh, thanks for inviting me to that Petra concert and being the reason I came to Christ. And so, listen, I just want to encourage you. You know, the video showed you a way not to share your faith, right? But uh, you know what? Never underestimate the power of a simple invitation. Amen. Just invite someone. Invite him to a Christian concert. Invite them to church. Uh, invite them to the, the couple's relationship intensive. We're going to do over the next three Sunday nights starting next week. But just simple ways that you can just reach out and invite someone. And it's amazing what God will do. Now the rest of the story is this buddy of mine, Eric, um, who gave his life to the Lord over 25 years ago. He now pastors a church in Amarillo, Texas. So how cool is that? Amen. So you really can make a difference. You ready for the word? Let's stand to our feet. Take our Bibles in our hand. Let's make our confession loud and strong. Come on. This is my Bible. It is the word of God. And I believe it. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. I am who it says I am. I am accepted in the beloved. Blessed to be a blessing. A chosen generation. Destined to reign in Christ. Empowered to make a difference. And forgiven of all my sin. If you believe that, shout, that's me. me. And you may be seated. And we're continuing our series called The Big Ten. The Big Ten. And today we're going to take a look at number three. As we rediscover ten values that build strong families, strong marriages, and a strong walk with God. And come on, isn't that why we're here? Isn't that what we want? Right? Now... We talked about the first two. Now remember, the first one was you got to put God first. F I R S T. Now you remember how to do that. Letter F, you got to put Him first what? Financially. I. In your interest. Y'all aren't doing near as well as first service. Come on, you better pipe up a little bit. Come on, you got to put Him first. Letter F, how? Oh, that's better. I. In your interests. R. In your relationships. S. In your schedule. And tea, In your troubles. Awesome. And then last week we talked about how uh, you can as- accept no substitutes. Anything or anyone you put before God will ultimately disappoint you, dominate you, and can eventually deform you. But when God is first, then He delights you. He brings fulfillment. He delivers you. He brings freedom. Amen. He develops you. He produces fruitfulness. He enables you to bring forth that purpose and destiny, that reason He puts you on this planet to begin with. So today we're going to look at the third commandment, the big ten. And we can really sum it up in one sentence. God says this, Take my name seriously. Take my name seriously. Now Paul Dickinson, true story, interesting fellow, he has written a book called Names. And he has this hobby of collecting strange uh, and unusual names. Okay, And he says some sometimes names can seem to be prophetic. For, for instance, in 1941, there were two men who were executed in the electric chair. I know that's kind of a, d- a downer, isn't it? They were electrocuted in the electric chair in the Florida State Penitentiary. And their names, true story... Their names were Will Burn and Frizzle. True story. Recently, there was a Montreal window washer who died by accident, falling as he was washing windows, and his name was Will Drop. True story. Others, he says, their names, names, it's like they were destined for certain occupations. For example, Joe Bunt became a baseball coach. Dan Druff became a barber. That's really his name. I'm not making these up. Jeff Treadwell became a podiatrist. Go forth and catch them. Two guys were police officers and eventually became partners. O'Neill and Prey became partners in church equipment. Zoltan Overy was a gynecologist. I think this one's my favorite right here. P.P. Peters. He was a urologist. And Will Crumble was a plaster contractor. So there's a lot in a name. So what's in a name? God says there's a lot in a name, especially when it's His name. And so in Exodus 20, verse 7, He says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. You shall not misuse the name of... The Lord your God. Now, George Barna did a survey recently and he found that 66% of all Americans admit having taken the Lord's name in vain. Now, most of the time when we think about taking the Lord's name in vain, we think of using it as a swear word. We think of saying GD or Jesus Christ or something like that. But there are actually five ways that you can misuse the name of the Lord, and we're going to talk about those this morning in just a moment. But God is very serious about his name. And there's a reason why. Because God says that your name represents three things. Your name represents three things. Number one, it represents your reputation. It represents your reputation. You've heard people say he's making a name for himself. You've heard that saying? right? So when somebody has a good reputation, they say he's got a good name. When someone's got a bad reputation, he's got a bad name. When I say one of the following names, you automatically think of their reputation. You ready? Hitler. Martin Luther King. Elvis. Madonna. You not only think of their craft, you not only think of... Of, of what they're known for. But you also think of the reputation that follows them. No wonder Proverbs 22, one says. A good name is more desirable than great reach, riches. And to be esteemed is better than silver or gold. So your name represents your reputation. Number two. It represents your character. What you are cannot be separated from what your name is. Once it's identified together. In fact, oftentimes in Bible times, now we name our kids, they pretty much require us to do that before we take them home from the hospital. But throughout Bible times, they would often name their kid after they grew up a while and they could notice their character or their personality traits and name them accordingly, like, like justice or, or honest or whatever. And Speaking of that, we, uh, we had high hopes for our kids. And so I want to give you a little insight in how we named our kids. Our oldest, Christy Michelle. Christy is the female form of the word Christ. And Christ was not Jesus' last name, like Todd Nelson. Christ was his title. And Christ simply means anointed. His Jesus was anointed by God. Amen? To go about doing good and, and deliver all who were oppressed by the devil, right? And so Christy is the female form of Christ, it means anointed. And then an interesting note, Anytime time you add EL to a name, okay? It you automatically include God. For example, Dan means judge. But when you turn that into Danielle or Daniel, it means God is my judge. Christy's middle name is Michelle, the female form of Michael. Mike means who is like Michael is who is like God Michelle is the female form of that name it means who is like God so Christy's name means anointed who is like God we had high hopes actually she's lived up to that name we're very proud of her Okay, Andrew Ryan our, our middle boy who was up here playing the drums now he was born 10 weeks early they didn't think he was going to make it he was 3 pounds and 3 ounces when he was born and they had to deliver him by emergency C-section. Shelley was literally bleeding to death when they pulled him out. She had to have blood transfusions. And uh, they, had to, they didn't have a neonatal unit here. And so they had to fly him to Cook Fort Worth Children's Medical Hospital. And we named him Andrew Ryan. Now, Andrew means man warrior. <laughs> man warrior. Okay? Ryan means little king. Now, the cool thing is when they flew him up to Fort Worth, we, I couldn't follow immediately because Shelly caught pneumonia and she was very ill in the hospital. And so I didn't want to leave her here with Christy. And when Christy was just little. They were 18 months apart. And so we waited for Shelly to get out of the hospital. And, you know, we called on the phone. But how many know that's not the same as being there with your baby? Hmm? And so we're miles apart. Shelly finally gets better. We we make it to Fort Worth and I'll never forget when we walk into that neonatal unit and we walk up to that incubator and a nurse got a hold of the power of a name. And she knew we had named him Andrew Ryan and so she looked up his name Andrew and Ryan and underneath his name in big letters across that incubator. So here's this little boy and now he was under 3 pounds. He weighed 28 two, 2 pounds 8 ounces or 9 ounces. And so here's this little bitty, I mean, he, he looked like a little bitty skeleton with skin stretched over it. He didn't have an ounce of fat on his body. And here we walk up and see this little bitty baby. And in big old words is, man warrior. <laughs> little king. And you know what, man, I was never so glad that we named him that. And you know what? Drew was a warrior. And he fought through that. And here he is today. They said he would never walk. And here he is up there playing drums. He's just a maniac. I love it. Amen. There's power in the name. Now, Joshua, my youngest, and I might add my most challenging. Shelly says if our kids were born in reverse order, we would only have one child. Not really, Josh. I'm giving you a hard time. He's back there running the computer. So, anyway, Joshua, Joshua, that name, Joshua's actually the Hebrew form of the word Jesus, actually. Uh, You remember Jesus in Hebrew is Yeshua? It's Joshua, okay? And that name simply means God saves. And then his middle name is Nathaniel. Remember, anytime you add E-L to a name, it, it includes God. And so Nathan means give, Nathaniel means God gives. Now, here's the cool thing about that. Joshua was born a year and a day after Shelly had her second miscarriage. She was pregnant and had her second miscarriage. We were out of town uh, when we were youth pastors, and we had 40, 50 teenagers at youth camp. And Shelly had a miscarriage. And when we came home, they told her, You know what? You got a boy, you got a girl, you got two healthy kids. You just need to hang it up and call it quits. This probably ain't going to happen. I don't know about you, but I don't like being told. what. I, come on, talk to me, somebody. I don't like to quit on those terms. Amen? And so we gave it one more shot. And here comes Joshua. Okay, And we missed the day of the, that uh, a year before Shelly had a miscarriage. We missed that date by day. She had the miscarriage on July 4th. 1996, and Joshua came a year and a day later, July 5th, 1997. God saves and God gives. Isn't that powerful? So there's power in a name. Now, don't get all bent out of shape. Some of you are going to go home and look up your name, and you're going to go, dude, I'm going to change my name. (laughs) Can I tell them what your name means? I'll just give you one of them. One of them means temptress. And I'm like, you got that right, baby. I bought it hook, line, and sinker. So listen, don't get all bent out of shape. Don't get all, you know, I got a horrible name. So a name represents your character. In fact, many times throughout the Bible, you see God would change someone's name to match their character or what he was doing in their lives. Like you take Abram. Abraham means father. Father. Abram means father. Abraham, remember God changed his name, Abram, to Abraham. Abraham means father of a multitude. Jacob, God changed his name to Israel. Jacob means deceiver, supplanter. Remember how he deceived his brother Esau for his birthright? Well, God changed his name to Israel, which means prince with God. And then we have Simon, whom Jesus called Peter. Now, Simon literally means he hears. And if you think about Peter's life, Peter was very impulsive and very reactionary. Someone said something, "Ah!" he just vomited back. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? Uh, You just push the button, Peter would just explode. You know, he was just wishy-washy and here and there. And Jesus said, you know what, I'm going to change your name from Simon. You hear and you respond and you react. You're so, you're tossed to and fro. And I'm going to change your name from Simon to Peter, a rock. You're going to be stable. And he was one of the founders of the the church, ushering in the church age. Amen. So your name represents your character. And thirdly, your name represents authority. When a police stops someone, I know this is silly, but they don't say, Hey, stop in the name of Bugs Bunny. Right? We wouldn't listen, right? What do they say? Stop in the name of... The law. Okay? You stop in the name of the law. The law is the authority. Okay? That policeman in that uniform, he doesn't have any authority to stop a car. He didn't have any power to stop a car. But he has the authority with that uniform and that badge to stop that car. Because the name he represents. Amen. When I stand up and I perform a marriage ceremony, okay, I always say at the end, after you may kiss the bride... That's like the favorite part. I have them turn and face the congregation. I say, it is my honor to present to you. Oh, I say this after they kiss about. It is my honor. I pronounce you by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and the great state of Texas. I pronounce you husband and wife. And so the authority of his name as a minister, but also I have the authority of the state of Texas to perform that ceremony. So a name represents authority. So it's a big deal. So when you misuse the name of the Lord it's no small thing. It's a big deal because you're defaming God's reputation, his character and his authority when you use it flippantly. Now, you can five ways to misuse God's name. You can use God's name to insult, indulge, intimidate, impress or you can use it impulsively. Okay? We'll break it down. Number 1, you can use God's name to insult, to express irritation. This is when you use profanity or swearing to express irritation. Hmm? Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? You hit the thumb. You stub the toe. Someone cuts you off in the middle of the road. Ah! beep, beep, beep. beep. <laughs> Talk to me, somebody. Huh? And isn't it amazing? I mean, we will drop GD this. We will say Jesus Christ. How come you never hear anyone go, oh, Buddha? (laughs) Or what about, oh, (laughs) Muhammad? You know what? I guarantee you. If we started a trend in this nation and started saying, oh, Muhammad, we would never live it down. We would catch so much flack for saying that. And yet people can drop GD bombs and say Jesus Christ until the day is long. And no one bats an eye. What's up with that? Talk to me, somebody. See, we need revival in our nation. And listen, you need to realize too, all your little, just because you don't say the word, just because you put an initial, you know, it's not like people don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I follow you on Facebook. I see all the LMAO. I'm a pastor, but I'm not stupid. Huh? And then, if you really get all worked up, L M F A O. Do you think just because you put the initials, God's pleased? Just because you didn't spell it out, it's cool? It got quiet in here this morning. Huh? See, America is one of the most foul mouthed nations in the world. Do you know that today in some movies, You know, a movie normally could be rated PG or PG 13, but because rated R movies sell more, they throw in, intentionally throw in cuss words to bump it up to a rated R uh, R rating so they can increase sales. Did you you know that? Hmm? And you know what? I love it, man. I, I, I love The Patriot. I love Braveheart. I love Gladiator. I love Taken. You know what I mean? Like, where the bad guy gets it at the end. Come on, talk to me, somebody. Huh? Ah, Taken. I love it. I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Ah! Huh? Because that's what Jesus did, didn't he? He looked for us. He found us. And he killed death, sin, and the grave through the blood of the cross. Huh? I love that. You know, and so I can deal with that. But man, when they start just dropping, you know, GD bombs. And, and you know, some cuss words, you know, yeah, they bother you. But man, when they start using, misusing the name of your heavenly father. When they start just slamming the name of your savior. Who shed his blood on a tree so that we could be forgiven. I'm sorry, man. I draw the line. It's not necessary. Talk to me, Somebody. Mm -hmm. Books, magazines, TV, it's filled with profanity, even video games. Even video games. You know what? There are uh, some okay, M for mature, because of some of the violence. They're war games that are really cool that we don't buy for our kids, my 15-year-old, because they're full of profanity. And I'm here to tell you, you put that stuff on the inside, it's coming on the outside. Treasure in, treasure out, garbage in. Garbage out. So you put the good stuff in, it'll come out. You put the wrong stuff in, it'll come out. And you know what, you know what really is amazing? You know the, the ratings on the, the video games? You know, Christians don't put those on there. Do you know our world system puts those on? Our regulation? It's not like some Christians got together and said, hey, you ought to put the ratings on there. The world says, we're going to put an M rating on this game. And if you're below 18, you shouldn't play it. That's the world's value system. And you got parents who buy M rated M mature games for their elementary-edged kids. I'm appalled. It is appalling. And so you got a first grader, a second grader, grader, a third grader playing M games. And these are these are kids in church. And so if you think about it, the world has a higher value system than believers. They say you shouldn't have this unless you're 18. That's their recommendation. Talk to me, somebody. Come on, parent. But my kid really wants it. Listen, you got to be mom and dad, not their friend. Amen? You're here to raise them and nurture them in the things of God, not to be their buddy-buddy. That doesn't mean you have to be a fuddy-duddy. We have lots of fun in our home. But you know what? There's a line, and we don't cross it. Come on, can I get an Amen? So it takes maturity to discipline your speech, especially when you're angry. Huh? Come on, how many have ever cussed with your horn when they cut in front of you? (coughs) Come on, you know what you were thinking. Right? You honked with your horn, but you were thinking something else with your head. Huh? We've been there. It takes discipline not to swear. It shows maturity and self-control by not doing that. But people use God's name to insult and express. Irritation. I'll never forget when Joshua was just little bitty. He's four or five years old. He's in children's church. And you know what? The great thing, I guess, it's a two-edged sword. The great thing about pastor in the church and you have small kids, it's a built-in accountability system. Because whatever you do or say in front of them, they will tell all. How many know what I'm talking about? And I'll never forget Joshua was in children's church. He was just four or five years old. And Shelly and I had a discussion that week. Come on, anyone ever have discussions? Okay, we had a fight. Okay, we had an argument, and uh, it was pretty hairy. And so uh, they asked for prayer requests, and Joshua's like, you need to pray for my mom and dad. They've been fighting all week. (laughs) I'm like, listen here, kid. I brought you into this world. I'm going to take you out. Uh, It's great. And then one time, Shelly, you ever see those those plastic strips, like, like they're on over like power tools or boxes, where they don't want you to pop open the cardboard box and maybe take the product. So they have those plastic. Strips usually going this way and then the other way. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, to secure the atom. Well, Shelley had bought something that had one of those strips, and instead of getting a pair of scissors and just cutting it, all she had readily available was a screwdriver. So she took the screwdriver and was going to poke it through the tape, thinking because of the tension and pressure, it would pop it and it would snap open. Well, it didn't. It just went through the middle of it. So she got this bright idea, and she said, you know what, I'm just going to twist this screwdriver, and eventually it'll snap. So she takes that screwdriver and, but it doesn't snap. And she loses grip of the screwdriver. It comes reversing the other way, man, and jams her right in her hand. And she goes, ow, 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 ow. Really, that is what she said. And so Joshua, he didn't say anything. He didn't come into the room and check on Shelly, see if she was okay. But next Sunday at church, does anyone have any prayer requests? (laughs) Joshua says, yes, you need to pray for my mom. She hurt her hand and went, ow, 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 ow. And Shelly said, I am so glad that that is what I really said. Uh, come on, talk to me somebody because they will repeat whatever you say and I love what sometimes watching Shelly play tennis uh, here's Shelly's cuss word right here okay, she'll hit the net, you ready? ah! she says that a lot, I've noticed no, not really ah! that's it okay, so people people, you take God insult God's name by expressing their irritation, number two We use God's name to indulge our flesh. And we make excuses for not doing the right thing. We excuse ourselves and we blame God. Proverbs 19.3, I love this. It says, people ruin their lives by their own stupidity. So why does God always get blamed? That's good, isn't it? People ruin their lives by their own stupidity. So why does God always get blamed? God gets blamed for a lot, doesn't he? We say things like, well, I didn't feel led well I quit my job you know that boss was really mean now I can't pay the rent but I just didn't feel led to work there anymore well honey don't quit until you have another job lined out Hmm? and then they come to church and they need help sorry we don't feel led to help you (laughs) It's it's a joke kind of Huh? But people, they, they use God as an excuse to justify the wrong behavior. Leviticus 19.12 says, Do not make a promise in my name if you do not intend to keep it. That brings disgrace on my name. So people use God as a cover, and then they indulge their flesh, and they make excuses for not doing what they know they ought to do. Number three, people use God's name to intimidate. Now, this happens in Christian circles all the time. Okay, Some people are pros at this, and they say it. Here's how they do it. They say before everything they say, God told me. You ever met someone like that? I counseled this couple years ago. Quit trying to figure out who it is. But they were in our church and his wife got so mad because, and the bad thing is, is he would, he would use God for everything. Well, God told me. Well, God told me, honey, you need to. Well, God told me, I think we need to. And, and he thought that by putting God in front of it, who can argue with God, right? I mean, if God told me then who can argue with God? And so he would use it as manipulation. And so people use God's name. They take his name in vain and they use intimidation to try to get their own way. And listen, here's something I discovered. If, if God's going to give direction and guidance, you know what? He'll speak to you personally. And if God's going to correct something in your life, he's not a gossip. He's not going to run and tattletale to someone else to tell you what you need to do. People use that, and especially in the 70s and 80s, it was really big. Well, sister, God told me that you need to, hmm? I always tell people, someone said, you know what, this prophet prophesied, and he said, hey, God told me you need to be a missionary in Africa. And I always tell him, that's great, but you better take him with you so that you'll know when to come back. Hmm? So people say God told me that you should do this. God told me what's wrong with you. God ain't gonna tell someone else what's wrong with you because he's not a gossip. He's gonna speak to you. Now that doesn't mean that someone may you know can't may not encourage you with a verse. God may speak a verse, and I think of an encourage. Hey man, I'm gonna encourage Roger with that word. You know what? And Rod, Rod, Roger and I we've become good friends, and he'll send me a text of an encouraging word. But you know what? Never in front of his encouraging words does he go. Pastor, God told me. He just shares the word. You don't have to be weird. You don't have to be goofy and super spiritual for it to be God. Is this okay? Spouses do this a lot. Honey, I believe God told us to buy the drag wire. (laughs) Huh? God wants me to have those golf clubs. He does. I, I, I hear him. Okay? Now, talk, get into agreement. Don't use God as an excuse. Don't use God to intimidate and to get your own way. You know what, in the world, you know what they call that in the world? Forgery. Forgery is when you use somebody else's name to get what you want. We have a lot of spiritual forgers today in the world. So you got to be careful. Number four, we take God's name in vain by trying to impress. Why do people swear? Especially when you're younger. It's not only because they lack emotional control. But one of the main reasons is they do it to impress others. Come on, do you remember you were in third or fourth grade? You were just learning. Huh? And it was always, man, when you got to where you can put three, four, or five words before that noun. Oh, I'm cool, buddy. Come on, do you remember that day? You look all holy now, but I know better. Huh? Some of us we think because you know we we leave here and we're gonna be around our friends or we're at the workplace and we think we gotta impress, we think, we think, I don't know, we wanna fit in, but but you know you can teach a three-year-old to swear, you can teach a chimpanzee to swear, you know you can teach a parrot to swear. It doesn't show your maturity, it doesn't show your manliness or your liberation. It's stupid because it doesn't change anything, but we still do it, don't we? I love it. I'll never forget, I was in the State Guard for a little over a year, a year or so ago. And uh, because of my degrees, I I got to be chaplain. And it was so honoring and had made some great friends and still have friendships because of that experience. And I love it. And we were driving. We were at uh, AT one one summer. And we were driving around. And here come all the, the string of cuss words. You know, come on, military, we like to cuss, don't we? Huh? Yeah, it's just the way we do it. And so here come all the words. And it's like all of a sudden it dawned on them that I was in the front seat. And they're like, chaplain, we, we were so sorry. I, we forgot you were sitting there. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm not the person you need to apologize to. And, man, it got really quiet. I'll never forget, I met a, a guy, he recently, since then, has given his life to the Lord. But I'll never forget, Shelley and I, whenever we go, whether it's playing tennis or we're out at the health club, we don't, always don't like, we don't always like to tell people what we do for a living, because then people get all fake on you. You know what I mean? Like if you tell them, like they talk normal, but then if you tell them you're a pastor, then they're going, oh, good to meet you, brother. Oh, dude, you didn't call him Brother. You're just calling me brother because you think that's... You know what I'm talking about? People get weird, okay? And they think it's respectful, but they just get goofy and they get weird. Maybe they get uncomfortable. Anyway, I was in the, health, uh, in the uh, steam room, and uh, this guy's talking, and we're carrying on conversation, and man, he's dropping F-bombs. He's dropping G-D bombs. He's dropping it. And I'm not saying a thing. I, yeah, really? And yeah, we're just talking. Carry-. And then here it comes around. So what do you do for a living? I'm like dude I'm the pope no not really (laughs) not really I said I pastor a church and man he sucked all the steam out of the room um, so, and you could see him. How many F's did I say? How many GD's did I say? How many times did I say Jesus Christ? I, I mean, but it, the cool thing is, man, I just was his friend. We started lifting weights, invited him to church. And, but he went to a men's event years ago, and he gave his life to the Lord, and he's still following Jesus today. So it's a cool testimony. And so listen, uh, you know what? I encourage you. you don't want, I'm not talking about being a holier than now. Are you with me? But you know what? Do you remember what it was like when someone ever made fun of your mama? Well, your mama's so big that... Okay, buddy, you don't talk about my mama. Right? I mean, to this day, don't talk about mama. I will take you out and get saved later. All right? You don't talk about my mama. But you know what? People will cuss around us. People will say GD. People will say Jesus Christ. People, and you know what? People are like, ah, that just doesn't bother me. You know what ought to bother you? You don't let someone talk about your mama. Why do you let someone talk about your heavenly father? Why do you let someone just casually slam the name of the one who gave his all so that we could live and be forgiven? Is this all right? Hmm? And again, I'm not talking about doing that with strangers. You don't want to get beat up. But you know what? I think you ought to hold your friends. I, th- I think you ought to hold your family accountable. Come on, man. Is this all right? And then some people on the, you know, they, they, so they cuss to impress people. But sometimes people, they, they, they misuse the name of the Lord trying to impress people the right way. You know, but they just, they think that if they use Jesus the right way as many times as they can or if they after, or after every sentence, man, that was a good shot. Praise the Lord. Oh that was a great hit. Glory to God. They think that you got to put some Christian phrase in everything you say and somehow some way that makes it more spiritual. How many you know that's not more spiritual, that's just annoying. <laughs> Talk to me someone. See, you don't have to be weird and young believers are like this. They just think they have to they use this spiritual jargon for everything and they come across as more spiritual. Now listen. Talk doesn't impress me, lifestyle does. Talk doesn't impress God. Your lifestyle does. Titus 1.16 says, They claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny Him. They claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny Him. Amen. Matthew 15.8 and 9, Jesus said, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is pointless. The message says, These people make a big show of saying the right thing, but their heart isn't in it. And so you don't have to do that to impress. And then fifthly, people use God's name impulsively. They just do it. Impulsive means you just don't think about it. You ready? Here's the biggest one. You ready? OMG. Did you see that? OMG. Sally's pregnant. Oh, my Lord. And you know what we do? We reduce the name of God. And we reduce the name of the Lord, our Savior, to just a catchphrase, filler in conversation. Is this all right? Do you know that in Old Testament times, the name for God in Hebrew had no vowels? And the reason they didn't put any vowels in it was because if a word doesn't have a vowel in it, you can't pronounce it. And they deemed God's name so holy that mere man was not worthy enough to utter it. That is the awe and the respect they had for the name of God. Are you with me? Now, I'm not talking about that we should not be ashamed or afraid to mention His name. Man, God really blessed me or Heavenly Father. I love the Lord Jesus. He changed my life. We don't need to be ashamed to use his name, but you know what? We don't want to reduce God to to an exclamation point. OMG. Hmm? We don't want to just use God's name as filler. So, how can we use God's name correctly? And by the way, there are incredible blessings for the person who honors God's name. So, in order to honor his name, you got to reverence God's name. Continually Treat it with utmost respect. Use it carefully. Use it lovingly. Use it as an act of worship. But don't just let it slip out flippantly. Amen? Psalm 29.2 says, Give to the Lord the glory due His name. So honor God's name. Psalm 61 verse 5 says, You, God, have given me the blessings you reserve... For those who reverence your name. Number two. Represent God's name clearly. Represent his name clearly. Reverence it continually. And then represent God's name clearly. 2 Timothy 2.19 says a person who calls himself a Christian. Should not be doing things that are wrong. Our lifestyle can misuse the name of God. Now listen. How many know we all blow it? Both of my hands are up. We all blow it. I do too. We say things we shouldn't say. We do things we shouldn't do. The key is you repent. You keep short accounts with God. You repent and ask for forgiveness quickly. Amen. But I'm talking about people who, you know what? They're a Christian but in name only. And they can. it seems like they say whatever and do whatever and it never even bothers them. And the Bible says that our lifestyle when we live like that We misuse the name of God. We misrepresent Him. You know what? There are two reasons why many people never come to Christ. Number one, they never met a Christian. They never met a true, authentic, genuine believer to share the love of God with them. You you know what the number two reason is? They did meet one. They did meet a so-called Christian. But their life wasn't any different. And so they thought, Man, if that's what it means to be a follower of Christ, what's the difference? You don't have any more peace than I do. Someone shared with me after the first service a story about Muhammad Gandhi, Mahagna Gandhi. Do you know that he had read through the Bible beginning to end and was convinced that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life? And he was ready to follow Jesus. Until he walked into a church in Africa. And they wouldn't let him in. Because he was a black man. And so he said you know what. If that's what followers of Christ are about. I don't want nothing to do with it. How could the world have been different. If he was proclaiming the things of God. And standing up for the cause of Christ. Amen. And then number three. So reverence God's name continually, represent God clearly, and then rely on His name completely. Psalm thirty-three, twenty-one 21 says, No wonder we are happy in the Lord. We trust His holy name. There are literally thousands of verses in the Bible that attach incredible promises to those who honor God's name. One is John 14, 13. Jesus said, If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So there's power in his name. In John 20, 31, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And it says, by believing, you may have life in his name. And we're going to stop right there. That's the greatest news in the world right there with every head bowed and every eye closed. There's life in his name. One of the greatest promises that is attached to the name of Jesus is the Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved so maybe you're here this morning and you know what you're not a hundred percent sure heaven would be your home you hope you wish but you don't know without a shadow of a doubt and the greatest news in the world is the Bible says while we were yet sinners Jesus died for us you know what he didn't wait for us to put on our Sunday best He didn't wait for us to get our act together. He didn't wait for us to clean up our mouth. While we were yet sinners, Jesus died. And He shed His blood on that tree. He was buried and three days later He rose again and He stands at the door of your heart and He knocks. But you gotta open up that door and let Him in. Listen, I'm not asking you how often you go to church. I'm not even asking you if you believe in God. The Bible says the devil believes there's a God. But has there ever been a defining moment in your life where you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? If not, I want to pray for you. You may be here this morning and say, Pastor, I've done that. I've asked Jesus to come into my life. But you know what? Many times your mouth will give your heart away. Jesus said, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. And so, you know what? Maybe your speech hasn't been the best. And I don't know about you, but I I remember when I was a kid, I said something I shouldn't. My mom would make me eat a bar of soap or take a bite of soap, but you know what? Soap can't clean up your mouth because your mouth is connected to your heart, and that's why Jesus came and shed His blood to give you a new heart. And so maybe your mouth has given away the condition of your heart. Maybe you 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 were following the Lord, you were living for the Lord, but you know what? You just got away from his lordship in your life, but you took a step in the right direction. You came to church this morning. Maybe you just need to take another step and recommit your life to following him again. So if that's you this morning, you've never made Jesus Lord of your life. You're not sure heaven would be your home or you're away from the Lord and you need to recommit your heart to him again. Boldly and unashamed, would you lift your hand up high? Say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me today. I need the Lord in my life. God bless you. Anyone else, just lift your hand up high where I can see it. I don't want him.